If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Horror Bites on Safebrit, the show where we highlight short indie horror games and the people who make them. I'm throwing hands and chairs at shadowy figures, and he's back from trick-or-treating. Together, we are Neil Volk and Jay Krieger. How goes it, Jay? Pretty good. You know, we're uh, past spooky season, but uh, at the same time, you know, we have a, a festive game to chat about this week, as well as uh, a pretty strong uh, contender for, like, I think just combat in general with one of these horror bites with the game that you picked for this week. So really excited to dive into both of these. Yeah. And, you know, as they say, Halloween never ends here. So it's uh, we're Halloween 24-7, 365. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as Jay says, yeah, this week doesn't he see hands-on fight against evil forces and the quest for the greatest treasure of them all, Halloween candy. Uh, these games can be found on Itch.io. And if you do play them and enjoy them, make sure you give them a bit of love by supporting them whatever way you can um so first this week jay it's november but we are indeed going trick-or-treating with your pick yet another game from tooth and claw aka dan mcgrath that being nightmare at famine springs which is available on itch.io in which a child leaves the confines of their relatively normal suburban home to trick-or-treat only to learn that the abandoned house down the street has a few devilish tricks up its sleeve and notably Dan includes on the page on Itch.io that he made this in a couple of days, um, which was cool. You know, I think overall, that's been one of the aspects of, I think, Itch.io projects in general, right, is that you have developers that have a wide range of experiences on their page in terms of the games or the slices that they've created. But some of them are more built off of like a quick idea, obviously a game jam, perhaps. But sometimes you get these little festive games that only last a couple of minutes. This one takes about five minutes and it doesn't have the production budget of some of the other games that Dan has developed and released. But at the same time, like there is still a quality to it that makes it exceptional, despite its maybe smaller stature, or smaller size, if you will, of the yeah. type of project it is. So, you know, right off the bat, I had to pick this because not only is it a Halloween game, but it has just really great fall vibes in general. While I was yes. playing this, I was thinking a lot about 
the film that came out this year called Cobwebs, which is this, you know, a haunting type film. And, you know, that movie has a great fall aesthetic to it. Great mm. autumn fall colors. You know, there's, of course, pumpkins everywhere and whatnot. But it's just a game that kind of is able to capture that same feeling in a way that is, I would say, more atmospheric than anything else. Like just wandering around the streets of your suburb or neighborhood and you have, you know, leaves falling and whatnot. And it utilizes the sort of Charlie Brown color palette, if you will, of like mustard yellows and browns <laughs> and blacks for the trees and the leaves and whatnot. And then, of course, it has the sort of uh, classic soundtrack of like the bleeps and boops from the era in which it's a little bit uh, evoking. And it's a great sort of just primer for the type of story that's being told here. Um, mm -hmm. I'll say also, you know, there's a nice touch to this in every single interaction you have while you're, you know, going to house to house, trying to collect, I believe, like five pieces of candy. Um, every single time you interact with another character, the screen changes from this, uh, you know, kind of top-down, side-scrolly look of the game, and you get to see an image of whoever you're talking to, but it is incredibly distorted and pixelated to the point that you mm. can just barely make out what it is you're actually interacting with. And that doesn't always mean to say that, like, these are monsters or nefarious characters. It's just everyday interactions, even going from the neighbor to the yeah. player's, uh, the character's mother. And there's just something about that presentation that's very unsettling. And it doesn't have to rely on, you know, monstrous portraits of the character you're talking to or anything like that. It's just enough to be off kilter to be like, oh, this is this is strange. Is there something more to this? And, you know, mm. that answer might not end up being yes, but it's just another way that Dan is able to kind of take traditional frameworks or setups that we've seen in some of his games and given it some type of unique presentation or spin or storytelling aspect. Um, you know, of course, naturally in exploring the neighborhood, you're going to learn that there are neighborhood kids that have been missing for some time. And then when you come across the notorious house that's at the end of the lane, that's all boarded up, uh, it has more than a few horrors in store for the kid, uh, that mm. you're playing as. And yeah, you know, once you get in there without delving too much into what happens in the house, um, you know, you get to get a little bit more of the traditional scare that you're expecting from something like this. There's some jump scares, there's some apparitions, and then there's also a great display of, I think, just like lighting effects, because this is maybe compared to the last two games of Dan's that we've covered from a technical aspect, it's probably the most lo-fi, but oh, yeah. that's what made the lighting effect, I think, stand out to me because, you know, it's what we've always kind of championed with uh, flashlights and horror, where it's a flashlight that just lets you see just enough that you're not bumping into walls, but not enough that it completely reveals the fog of war, if you will, of an environment. And that's the case in this, in that... You know, there's sort of just going through this house and it just barely lets you see where you're going, but not enough to kind of reveal the entire layout. Um, and then also, like, when you walk by some uh, bars, which I'll leave it at that, in the house, um, you can see the light kind of spill through it in a way that, again, was pretty surprising considering how just lo-fi this project is compared to some others. So, you know, it might not be the type of game people are expecting coming off of Incident at Grove Lake, but at the same time, I think it continues just to show a knack for telling familiar stories in ways that could be either visually engaging or just overall like having something a little more unique to it, perhaps. Um, but I'm going to stop rambling now and hear what you have to say about <laughs> Nightmare at Famine Springs. Yeah, that, um, 
thing that struck me there was what you were saying about like those little cutscenes, if you will, of like talking to people and stuff yeah. like that. It's got a got a Game Boy camera slash dot matrix kind of thing going on, which um, is really effective if you do it right because you know the detail is still there, but it's just as you said obscured enough that it kind of makes you question little things. It was like actually a good example on the page, you know, of uh, one of them where like background of an image just looks a little disconcerting you know like that you can't quite figure out if it is something or isn't something and i love that so yeah that does add a, a sense of unease as you go deeper into this which as you said is like eight ten minutes long yeah at most you know to get through um yeah you're right about the you know the seasonal nature of it it really does just capture it it's kind of a shame to have played it after halloween you know at that point <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh it would have been perfect for that sort of vibes, but it did get released day on the day basically, so it, that wasn't always going to be easy. But yeah, it was um, you know, given what I saw about it, didn't expect it to be like anything major, anything, sure. you know, on the level we've had before. But uh, we still got something good out of it, I think. Yeah. So yeah, you were saying also about the lighting, and yeah, again, really good example of doing a lot with a little excellent at that and i think one of the most impressive things about it is that it keeps a good pace going throughout you know for what it is everything feels like it's been paid attention to from start to finish it doesn't feel like you know many short games where it's like front load it here or back load it there and maybe cut some bits out here and there it does feel like it's been plotted out carefully section to section to section and yeah i mean I think the common consensus I've seen about this is, you know, people wanting more of it, longer, better, like that, you know, something extra. So that already speaks to the quality of what's been given here. And I think part of that is that sort of old school, old school computer style, that, you know, has yeah. obviously worked very well for the likes of Airdorf, you know, and that. So, yeah, I, I think, again, without spoiling it, the ending is just perfectly cruel. Mm and yeah. unusual <laughs> yeah. it really does just take a leap and lands with it you know which is bloody impressive you know for such a, a shift you know from that early point of the game yeah no i completely agree about the ending because i think a lot of the time with some itchio projects we get to a point where it's like you more or less know the ending before you actually get there and with this it has that nice kind of curveball ending that gives you a nice moment, a nice, I suppose, uh, a brutal moment uh, of an ending that's <laughs> pleasantly nasty. But at the same time, it's nice to be genuinely sort of surprised by something, uh, I think. And, you know, that's maybe painting some of these uh, horror bites with a broad brush. But I feel like so many times we get to the end of an experience and it's kind of like, okay, they need a way to wrap it up. And we know that there's a couple of kind of standbys, if you will, of those short experiences where something lunges at the screen or screams really loud or something like that in this um, it's nice to have it like a genuine surprise and to have it be something that you really aren't expecting. Um, so yeah, that was uh, a game that I was really happy to get to cover. And like you said, you know, it would have been uh, great to be able to chat about it a little bit ahead of time for that people could play it uh, at the right tail end of Halloween. But at the same time, you know, all the more reason to check it out. And if that's the first game of Dan's that people get to play, then, you know, they're in for a hell of a back catalog to catch up on because We've definitely covered plenty of his games in the past and uh, been some of our favorite experiences of the year. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, it would be a good entry point if, in any case. But uh, yeah. Um, so before we talk about our second pick of the week, we will take a quick break. Welcome back to Horror Bites. I have to ask a question uh, for the second half. Have you ever been playing a survival horror when you run out of ammo and just wish you could just start picking up the furniture and lobbing it at the monsters? <laughs> well, if the answer is yes, then you've probably played Amnesia, uh, re- you know, the bunker, uh, which does have a little bit of that. But uh I do have a game that may be for you. Uh, that would be Greggy's Echoes from Willowbrook, which is a physics-orientated survival horror game where you attempt to escape from a sinister farmstead that you've just woken up in the middle of, as we all have at some point, I'm <laughs> sure. Uh, you must use everything in your surroundings, yes, everything, to defend yourself from the abominations roaming the farm and solve the puzzles that are slowing your escape. Yeah, I have read the product description. Fine. <laughs> um, so, this is a, another game jam thing. Two weeks cosmic horror game jam. Two. This was from, um, you know, and it runs in browser, which was like remarkable for what it is straight away. Mm. I have to say, out of the gate, um, when generally you have the games that run straight from browser, the, the, the limitations you expect from them. Sure. You know, I, I've not seen a game like this run like on that. Which so I was straight away. I, Wow, okay, some magic going on here. Now, again, it goes to the thing that we've said a few times, I think, with horror bites, when bigger horror games, even in the indie space, um, take a good idea and no one else really runs with it for a while. This is where you find people running with it and trying things out. And, you know, I just said about Amnesia the Bunker. This has a little bit of that, but maybe a bit more intuitive in terms of like using it as part of combat more often you know like you literally can just pick up every damn thing um it can damage the stuff you pick up and throw we can use it as a bludgeon or whatever and that's really and yeah like i said you really can just pick up a, a wooden chair and smack these uh entities over the head um i mean in terms of the game itself it is a very simplistic way of getting around this whole escape this place puzzles etc um it's quite open and free form uh to a degree so you're not getting anything too taxing with what you're doing but i do like the combat because it offers up something very different to what you're normally used to with these sort of games you know it's either it's either no combat run away or you know very certain kinds of weapon and certain kind of rules there's a flexibility to this you know for something so short again that is quite unexpected now i think you do start to get the gist of you know how the enemies work how they move how it all plans out but it is really fun to just see what you can use in a pinch you know to fight (laughs) and uh, doing the little puzzles is just enough of a distraction from what's going on and the balance with that and the enemies means you're always kind of just having to be aware of everything around you Mm. and that's why I like it. it's a very reactive game 
you know, you have to just see whatever situation you're in in that second and go from that and really take it to, you know, where it can be go. Um, but yeah, like I said, this you know, is another sort of low poly sort of, not PS1 era, because I think it's the visuals are slightly above that. So it's kind of like that Xbox, some early PS2 sort of games, sort of level, I suppose, you know, not like big budget developer, but like that double A sort of level of that time. And, you know, I think it's quite effective with that, you know, and again, this is why, again, it's remarkable that it runs in browser like that, because it just seems a bit off. I mean, there are obvious limitations, you know, I think the enemies are, are, are very much of a style that means <laughs> yeah. it's hard to tell if they've just been picked to be simple and, you know, they are just very simple models that were just put in, or if that was like a clear choice. I mean, there's not really much of a story to be going on here. You, you know, it's, you woke up here, you got to escape and whatever. But yeah, these beings are basically like these really blocky sort of mannequin style things with red eyes. And, you know, they in still shots, they don't look particularly impressive. I think as you're moving around in the game, they are actually quite, you know, they do actually have a little unsettling vibe to them. I think because they've got that sort of mannequin-y sort of vibe to them, and they actually look kind of unique, you know, which mm. is... So, yeah, on the one hand, it kind of looks like, oh, this is maybe as where one of the things they had to sort of leave by the wayside with a two-week sort of deadline. But at the same time... Sometimes simplicity works out for you. So maybe better than trying to sort of plod away and think, oh, I, need, I have to have a design for this. I have to figure out anything. It's like some complex creature or whatever. No, these are simple and effective. You know, I mean, in much the same way when you think about like Alien Isolation and like the Working Joes, you know, they are just literally just blind man. You know, and that's it. But the things they can do are what make them unsettling. So, yeah, I, I think that works really well. You know, they've got a small little team with this one. You know, I think about five people, hmm. so or six people. So, and they've got voice acting here and there. So, yeah, I mean, on a technical level, very impressive. You know, not just um, in terms of like what it looks like, but in terms of what you can do. Yeah, you know, I think there are things obviously that could be sort of refined and honed with like a larger version of this, but that's true of any sort of game like this, I think, isn't it? You know, um, but yeah, I, I think it's a Really impressive little piece of action you've got going on here with Echoes from Water and yeah, I quite liked it. How about you? Yeah, you know, I was, I mean, I'm surprised to learn that you could play it in the browser and have like no issues with it because I downloaded it because typically that's just how I play all games on Itch.io because I've run into my fair share of projects on there that I was like, oh, you know, I'll try it in the browser and then there's the typical limitations of playing anything in a browser, especially yes. with some of these Unity games that can be either physics heavy or just, you know, being rendered to a degree that, you know, it's not ideal for a browser play. So, like, to hear that it holds up in the browser is even more impressive considering how smoothly it plays when you download it, of course. And I was really surprised by just how fluid the combat was because combat in the past, again, has been a really tricky thing for some of these games to really nail in a way that conveys, I think, the type of experience that a developer set out with in mind. Because, you know, I think about recently we played one where it was kind of Silent Hill-esque, but the combat itself wasn't very reactionary. Whereas here, 
you know, it has a great ebb and flow where if you see a monster starting to reel back to like swing at you, and if you hit them just before that animation, it staggers them. So you get this kind of nice rhythm with combat where you can make them stagger, take a step back to avoid the retaliation, and then take another step forwards and hit them. And, do, you know, it's nice to have sort of a, a rhythm to combat um, that is, again, pretty rare in some of these experiences because sometimes it feels either like a slugfest or it kind of just feels like I have to run in circles around an enemy and take some quick hits at it and then just keep running in circles till they miss me again. Um, I will say that for the combat system, I liked the variety of weapons and there's a lot of items in the environment that you can repurpose as weapons. And while the game itself doesn't tell the player this or there's no real tutorial, so to speak, but each of the weapons has a different reach and durability behind it and a damage output. And in this experience, you know, areas frequently repopulate with enemies, so you get to kind of go through environments more than once while having new combat challenges pop up, and you get to really experiment with what's available in a given room. You know, you start out with uh, bottles, but then you learn pretty quickly, like, oh, lamps have a great reach to them. Oh, if I use a sickle here or a scythe there, like, those will deal a lot more damage than a brick or something along, or a stool. Um, and like you said, you know, the format or the framework of the experience is pretty familiar if you've played these types of games before. It's like, okay, I have to get through a certain amount of locked doors and there's only a certain amount of keys to do that with, which, you know, for what it is, is completely fine. It's I think the star of the show yeah. is really the combat and the game constantly throws combat situations at the player. And while they don't necessarily like scale in difficulty at any point, I think that the atmosphere itself is like pretty good for wood for a uh, like farm environment, and then you get to run through a corn maze at the end with a scythe and you know hack through the undead, uh, which I really enjoyed. I can't help but leave the experience being like it just needed one little one something else to kind of like give it that extra defining element that would make it a little bit more of a unique rounded experience. But I would say from a, a gameplay standpoint. And we've played plenty of them at this point that try to do, you know, 3D environments with combat and whatnot. This is probably the best example of that. Um, but like you said, you know, maybe the monster design or something could have been a little more varied. But um, overall, you know, I think this was a perfectly solid uh, little game. Yeah. I mean, as ever, you know, two weeks is... Yeah, there's nothing. that. I mean, Christ, uh, I, I, <laughs> when you think of like what you'd be able to do in two weeks, you know, even with a team of five to six people, it's still like... You know, but they clearly had a solid idea going in with it, and mm. um, you know they can build on that and make this into something bigger, and they could have a, a real hit on their hands because you know there is a really cool market out there for you know very almost imsim style you know indie horror games now. You know you think of stuff like Gloomwood or um, Stay Out the House. No, I think is the other one. Games like that where you have something deeper behind it, which people don't really see past the visuals sometimes and then go sure. yeah, like that but yeah they, they can be as deep as many games deeper than many big budget games uh, that have you know all these different gameplay mechanics so yeah it, it's a really good example i think of that and hopefully that's a, a good sort of touchstone for more of that sort of thing in the future i mean even in the time we've been doing horror bites the, the kind of escalation and evolution of certain styles we've seen is like yeah mind blow at times yeah it, you know, it used to impress us <laughs> so so much less used to impress us now. And now if we got stuff like this, where it's like, if we'd seen this a couple of years ago in Horror Whites, we'd be like, yeah, this is 
my wow amazing yeah. how are they doing all this like that sort of thing and now it's like yeah yeah this is good but you know here's where they could probably do this and <laughs> do that better that, that that's just that uh, shows you how enamored we are now it seems with the <laughs> uh, with the, the horror bites so we are wrapping things up if you are a developer of an indie horror game demo concept or game jam entry we would love to hear from you drop us a dm at safer in pod twitter or safer in pod at gmail.com for email if you'd like to be highlighted or interviewed on the show jay it's been spiritual uh we'll see you all next week in the meantime we will keep searching for more horror bites <laughs> <laughs>